Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Hey, it's great to see everyone today. My name is Johnny Green, and uh, you know, I haven't been to a service here at Highland Road in a couple months. I've been spending some time down at the Dream Center, and uh, God is doing great things there, but it's great to be here this morning. Uh, I wanted to give you a, a quick report because I get a lot of uh, questions about Roxanne, my wife. She is she's doing great. If you don't know, she has ALS and struggles with that every day, but does an amazing job. But uh, she's doing great. We went to the beach about a week ago. She enjoyed that, so I appreciate everyone. You clap your hands for her. Appreciate everyone praying for her. And uh, so, let, hey, let's, let's pray this morning. Let's get started. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, that you uh, tell us in black and white what your will is for us. God, you make it clear. And uh, Lord, you impress it on our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts today uh, to hear your word. Lord, give us the courage to align our lives with your will. And we love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, we, I think we talked last week and said that we were going to kick off a series this Sunday uh, on the book of Romans. And we will do that next week. But in talking to Pastor Mike, really it was his decision, uh, and, and Pastor David, we just felt like just in light of everything that has gone on specifically here in our city, but also in our nation, uh, we just didn't feel like it was wise to, to move on as schedule, that we wanted to address that, you know, with the shootings uh, in Baton Rouge, in Minnesota, and then in Dallas and Missouri and Georgia, we felt like we wanted to address that this morning. And so we've been in communication with city officials and many of the pastors and leaders in our city looking for ways that, that we can get involved. Pastor Mike, he's on vacation but I know he's been in touch with people every single day. I don't know how pleased Rachel is with how that vacation is going because uh, he just can't stay away when something like that's going on. We just feel like God has called us to have influence. He's preaching in New Orleans today. He would have been here, wanted to be here, but had a prior commitment, felt like he needed to keep that at Celebration Church uh, in New Orleans. So we wanted to address that. That fell to me. I feel amazingly underqualified. And so I've just been praying that God would give me words. And so if you see me sticking a little closer to my notes, you know, I just feel like this morning is kind of like when I do a wedding and a funeral, my goal is that nobody remembers that I was even there. Because you do a wedding and a funeral and they remembered you, that means you said something you weren't supposed to say. And uh, so that's kind of my goal. This, that's not my goal, but that's what I hope this morning. I, my goal is much bigger than that. You know, I thought about it as I was thinking and praying uh, that the events of the last week have been tragic and bewildering, and for many, energizing. And tragic that we, we lost life. There have been lives that have been lost. I think bewildering because sometimes we wonder, how did we get here and how do we get out of this? You know, there's just, I don't know if there's anyone that has a clear picture and a clear, clear path. And for many, it's been energizing because we want the world to change. We don't want our city to stay like this. We don't want what caused these things to remain like they did here in Baton Rouge, but then, but then all over. And so, you know, I want to talk about today, what is our role as believers, as representatives of, of God's love, which is what we are. And here's the thing, as brothers and sisters of one body, the body of Christ, but yet of different races, backgrounds, and perspectives. 
What's our role given all that? So I kind of want to kick off today saying, go ahead and lower your expectations for this morning. I know you got dressed and and took trouble to get here, but I want to tell you this. I'm not going to say anything profound that you haven't heard before. All right. We're going to talk about things. One of my favorite quotes is that people need to be reminded much more than they need to be informed. And so we're not going to say anything new today because the Bible is thousands of years old. And it covers everything that we need to know. And so, and secondly, I'm not going to explain how America got here and I'm not going to talk about how we fix it. I'll leave that to someone a whole lot smarter than me. I was listening to the radio this week and they brought a guy on that was a racial reconciliation expert. And I thought two things. Number one, how do you do that? How do you know if you're that? And I know I'm not that. So, um, you know, we want to kind of look at God's word. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the things that we already know. And let God's word put us in position to be used by him to bring peace, hope, and love back to our nation. That's what we want to do today. We want to look at God's word. I I was uh, listening to a coach one day that was talking about the fact that he was not a great athlete. He's a basketball coach. That he was not a great athlete, but yet he gives direction to these amazing athletes. And he said, really, the job of a coach is to remind people of the fundamentals at the right time. And we want to allow God's word to do that this morning, just to remind us of the fundamentals at the right time. So here is my prayer, because as I was thinking and praying about this week, I thought, Lord, what can we accomplish? I don't want to just get up and say some words and have a kumbaya moment and all that kind of stuff. Lord, I want you to do something. And so here is my prayer for our time together. Number one is this, and it's kind of an individual thing for each of us that we would each allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and show us where our thoughts and actions do not align with his character and with his will. That we would allow God to search our hearts and show us where we don't align with his will. I thought of what David said in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I thought that's a good description of this time. And then look at this next phrase, point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can I tell you this? I don't include that phrase in my prayer life enough. Point out anything that offends you. So my first prayer is that God will allow us to search our hearts and he would point out anything that doesn't align with him. The second is this, that we would each commit ourselves to be part of the solution in our sphere of influence when God gives us the opportunity. I don't know where you are, I don't know where God has placed you or what your sphere of influence is, but I wanna commit myself, and I hope we'll all do this individually today, to to be in a position that God, when you want to use me, I'll do that. I thought of 2 Corinthians chapter five, where Paul says this, talking about God, he says, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, That's why we can't stick our head in the sand. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And I don't know how God wants to use you. I don't know how he wants to use me. It may be in a meeting with a city official. It may be in the break room during a conversation at work. I don't know where that will take place, but I just want to be open. Say, God, I commit myself. I want to be part of the solution. So knowing all that, what should we do? I wrote down four things as the body of Christ. The first one is this, we have to stand united. The Bible is clear that the body of Christ has to stand united. 
And here is what I think makes this situation a little different. I thought about it a lot, especially the last few days, knowing I was talking about that, talking about this. You know what? There was a shooting a couple weeks ago. We all prayed for it. We addressed it, but we didn't feel like we needed to talk a message on it. And I think we made the right decision this weekend doing this. You know, we've had tragedies before. What is it that makes this different? Everybody take a deep breath. Here's what I think it is. This is the first time that, that I think that something has happened that believers disagree on what happened and what should happen. That people who love God, love each other, genuinely disagree and, and see it differently. I, I've probably shook hands with people this morning and we talked and had a conversation about the heat and getting in the air conditioning, but we disagreed on what's going on in our nation. Not that we disagreed right then and had that moment. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but I think in this situation, that's the challenge that we as believers in the body of Christ face is that we disagree on how we see it. And a guy told me one time, and I've never forgotten it. He said, in crisis, one of the most important things to have is perspective. And in crisis, one of the most important things to have is perspective. And this sentence may sound a little confusing, but I think the accurate perspective knows that my perspective is not the only perspective. Does that make sense? I think in order to have a good perspective of this whole environment is to understand that I have a perspective, but it's not the only perspective. That there are other perspectives that me and someone else, we have grown up differently. We grew up in different parts of town. Maybe one of them didn't even grow up in the town. He was out in the country. We were raised differently. We've had different experiences. We've had different pains, different good times, different bad times. And that affects the way that we look at life. And I need to understand that there are others. And what I've seen a lot of is fear, hate, and judgment. And those are natural response. Those are natural human responses, fear, hate, and judgment, but they are not helpful responses. And I think in the end, they divide the body of Christ. And the body of Christ will never overcome the problems we face in our country if we in here are divided and will always be divided if we spend more time defending our positions than we do seeking to understand the perspective of others. And I think that's important. You can clap your hands. I think it's important that we understand that. I love, I think one of the most precious passages of scripture is in John 17. In John 17, to give you a little context, this is the, the, not just the last night, these are the last moments of Jesus before he's arrested. And he's already said pretty much everything he's gonna say to the disciples and he breaks away for one more moment with the father. And this is what I love about it. It's just him and the father and somehow it came to us. And in John 17, he prays and he, he prays for the world. He prays for the disciples, the, the 11 or 12 that were with him then. But then at the end, and here's what I think is amazing. He literally prays for us. He prays for those that would come after the disciples. So look in verse 20, he says this. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the, the 11 or 12. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Look what he said. Here is his, of all the things he could have prayed, this is what he prayed, that all of them may be one. If Jesus were here this morning, what would he say? That's what he would say. That my prayer for you is that you will be one. That all of them may be one. Just as, talking to the Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. 
may they also be in us. Look, so that, because here's what happens when we're one, the world may believe that you have sent me. The world can't see Jesus if all it sees is us fighting. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete, not a little bit, complete unity. And then he says again, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. And you know, I, I thought about this and, and really at this time I think it's even more poignant. Anybody that knows me, in fact, they, they pick on me about it, knows I love outreach. I love doing outreach. I love being a part of outreach. I love getting outside the four walls of the church and do all this again. It's exciting to talk about. But one of the things that I have to admit, if you read the book of Acts, it's going to sound crazy. In the book of Acts, they didn't do a lot of outreach. You don't see them going out to the poor in Jerusalem outside of their church. But here's what they did. They created such an amazing community of love and support for each other that the rest of the world was attracted to it. That was their outreach plan that nobody had ever seen anything like this. And so you see them talk and then there is this phrase over and over. It says, the Lord added to their number daily. You know, I love outreach and I wanna do everything we can outside of the four walls. But our first job is to create a community here that looks so much like heaven and so different from the world that people ask what is going on with that group of people. And that's why Jesus said, if there's unity, then everything else will take care of itself. It's, you know, we, I say this a lot. It's like the top button on a shirt. You get that in line and everything else lines up. And I think one of my, one of my favorite parts of this week, all right, and, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, I'm white. I'm a white guy. Pastor Mike says that he is a black man in a white man's body. I am a whiter man in a white man's body. I listen to Waylon Jennings. I'm wearing khakis in an Oxford, all right? But I have sat down with black brothers and sisters this week as we discuss what's going on and what we could do, some pastors in our community, some men and women in our church. And here's what I, it wasn't even the discussion that, that, that we had, but the fact that we are unified, not because we hold hands and sing a hymn together, which nothing's wrong with that, and not because we come together in one service, but we are unified because for years before this ever happened, we have been serving together. We have been praying together. When my family needed something, they were there for me. When their family needed something, we were there for them. We are in covenant with each other. And even if we disagree about that, and maybe there were times we understood, you know what, we may not need to go to that discussion because that may turn into our, but it doesn't matter even if it does. We're in covenant with each other. We are family and we might have different backgrounds and we might have different opinions, but what's the same and what's most important is that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's what binds us together. We are believers and friends first and everything else, figure out how it works out within that format. That's what true unity looks like. And, and I really believe that's what we have the chance to have here. And I've asked God to examine my heart and I hope that we'll do that today because I believe when we have that, that God can use that to change the world. So the first thing that we do is we stand united. The second thing that we do is we love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. I love what John said, 1 John 4. It's kind of long, but it's great. He says, dear friends, 
Let us love one another. I, can I tell you this? And maybe at a time like this, it's important. And, and, and I'm not bragging, but I have a master's in theology. I like to read theology. I've studied with some of the great guys. I'm amazed at how simple the Bible is. I think sometimes we make it too complicated. And you can see in these verses that I'm reading, I think sometimes we make it complicated so we can excuse some of the things that we do and feel and say. But you really read, you know, nobody ever argues over these verses. They argue over kind of the, the outlying verses. The Bible is clear what God wants us to do. He says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. I love how simple it is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I love how he closes it. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. You know what he says? You can't see God, but when a Christian loves, you can see God in that. And I believe we're to stand united within here. And I know he says one another there, but outside of these walls, we are to love unconditionally. As believers and Christians, we have lost the right to choose who we love. We can't choose who we love. We have to love those that we disagree with. And again, not just in here, outside of here, on Facebook, on the street, on TV, wherever it is, we can't choose who to love. We have to love those we disagree with. We have to love those who oppose us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, love your enemy, bless those who persecute you. He said, if you just love those who like you, how are you any different than the world? The world does that. We stand out because we love those who don't love us back. Sometimes we love those who hate us. We love those who oppose us. We have to, we have to. Sometimes unconditional love takes unbelievable courage. And what the church has to do now is we've got to have the courage to love unconditionally. And why do we love that? I think it's important to know why so that we'll know how. We love that way for two reasons. And John put them both here. One, our love is a reflection of God's character, not theirs. And by theirs, I mean whoever, that we're, whoever we're loving. We don't love them based on who they are. We love them based on who God is. And what did John say? God is love. We love them because God is love, not because they are good. Does that make sense? Because of God's character, we love. And the second thing is this, and he said this, this is love. Not that we love God, but he first loved us. We love that way because we give the unconditional love that we have received. I'm going to tell you this. I am so glad that God did not apply to me the conditions of love that I sometimes apply to other people. I'll love you with this. I'll, and I don't say it that way, but sometimes people do things and they just kind of get out of bounds of my love. Can I tell you this? In my sin, in my rebellion, in my faithlessness, I never got outside of the bounds of God's love. And look at what John says. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love unconditionally because we are showing the character of God and we are reciprocating the love that we found. 
And that's how we stand out from the world, and that's how we point people to Jesus Christ, which I said I'm not going to tell you the answer because we already know. Jesus is the answer. With everything that's going on today, Jesus Christ is the answer, and we have to point people to him. So we stand united. We love unconditionally. The third thing is this. We serve personally. We serve personally. And I want to read out of John chapter 1. John 1 is how John talks about Jesus coming to this earth, but it's, it's more philosophical. It doesn't make a very good children's play. That's why we don't talk about it a lot in December. But he says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word there is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So where was God? He, where was Jesus? He was in heaven. He was God. And here's the thing. He was fine there. But look down to verse 14. Because we needed him, the word became flesh. Some of the most powerful words in the Bible. The word didn't have to become flesh. Didn't need to become flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John says we could see him, we could touch him. When we needed him, Jesus didn't share his opinion or shared his advice. He shared his life. In fact, that's one of the things I think is so amazing about Christianity. Besides the fact that I believe it is the only true religion, no matter what I think. But every other religion, really when it comes down to it, their God gave them a bunch of principles. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. Now we have that in his word in the Bible, but he gave us so much more than that. He gave us himself. He came down and lived the same life we live. He suffered rejection. He suffered hurt. He suffered physical pain. He took our punishment on himself. And he defeated everything that's bad in us and everything that happens to us. He defeated it in his own flesh and in a sense aligned himself with us. So much so that on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was standing more with us than with the father at that moment. And here's where this becomes important because that's the Christian model of ministry. We don't just give people our words and our advice and you should do this and this is what you should do. You know what we give them? We give them ourselves. We serve personally. We get involved and we make a difference. We share people's pain and we bear their burdens and we try to find a solution and we pray for them and we feed them and we hang out with the lonely and we clothe the naked and we feed the hungry and we bring the gospel to the sinner and we get involved. That's one of the things I love about this church is this church gets involved. This church, and, and look, I wish I had a plan to give you right now of how we get involved in this situation. That's why I said lower your expectations. I don't have that. But I know this. I want to commit myself that if that opportunity opens up, then I'll put myself in position for God to use me. Because if we don't show up, they can't see Jesus. We have got to serve personally and find a way to get involved. And, and look, that's true for every situation. But even in this one, when God shows us how and speaks and does those kind of things, I'll tell you one opportunity that I think is really neat. You saw, I think, on, on the news a second ago, this Serve 225 Day. So let me give you a little history of that. Pastor Mike meets with 
probably about 15 pastors, and, and I know some of them, uh, Raymond Johnson from Living Word and Charles Wallace from Oasis Christian Center and Brother Larry Stockstill and John Stockstill and, and uh, the pastor from Abundant Life is there, and there's about 15 of them, and about once a month, they get together and just kind of talk and pray for the city, and they've been building unity for years. So about six, eight months ago, they had this idea, what if all the churches, all these churches, it's about 10 or 15 of them, got together and did an outreach on one day to show the city that the body of Christ is united, that we love them and we want to make a difference. And they called it Serve 225. And they planned it for July 23rd, which honestly, as, as, as Pastor Dave and I were talking, it, it really wasn't the best for our schedule, but we wanted to be a part of it. So as a church, we jumped in. Having no idea where our city would be in July of 2016. But this is an opportunity for us to, to come together and make a difference. So I want to encourage you, if you can, you can text right now. I think they've got the number up there. You can text HPCGO to that number and sign up to be a part. And look, it's going to be safe. You can bring your kids. And, and here's the thing. The whole situation is fluid. We've got a plan of what we're going to do. But Pastor Mike and some of these pastors are in touch with the mayor and other leaders in the community and community organizers. And, and if something comes up that we can really make a difference, man, we'll shift everything to that. And we'll do that on July 23rd. But I think it's going to be an amazing day. We're going to join here for a rally and worship. And then we're going to go out and serve the community. We're going to be in Denham Springs serving there because we're, we're launching a campus there. So if you get a chance, I think it'd be a great way to get involved. We've got to serve personally. We can't just sit it out. And the fourth thing is this. And I think this is the most important and sometimes underrated. We've got to pray fervently. Second Chronicles 7. And look, I've read this verse hundreds of times, heard it read hundreds of times. You probably have too. But I want you to look at it and hear it and read it for the first time. Again, he says, if my people, a couple things there. First of all, that's how we identify. Everything else is secondary to that. My number one identification is I am part of the body of Christ. But secondly, as we continue to read, I want you to remind yourself, he's talking about his people. He's not talking about people in the world. He's not talking about the lost. He's not talking about, you know, people that don't have anything to do with Jesus. He's talking about his people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's the first step. And that's hard to do. Sometimes something, the first thing you want to do is kind of bow up. He says, you start out by humbling yourself. They will humble themselves and pray. Prayer always comes before action because it is the greatest action. Humble ourselves and pray and seek my face. Before we do anything, we seek God. God, what is your will? And look what he says here. Remember, my people and turn from their wicked ways. We're lying to ourselves. We don't think there are wicked ways in our church and not just in the seat next to me, in my heart. There are wicked ways. Here's the good news, but that doesn't mean that he won't move. So if you'll humble yourself, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Can I tell you this? And it sounds trite and it sounds churchy. There is nothing more powerful than when the God who with the word created everything that we see said, let there be light. And there was light separated. How do you do that? 
separated the light from darkness. Said, let there be sand. I'm going to be, be ground. And I'm going to put fish over here. And then I'm going to create some animals over here. The God who did all that without lifting a finger. He says, if you'll humble yourself, seek my face and pray, I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive. How amazing is that? My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And that's what we're gonna do in a second. We're not just gonna talk about prayer, we are gonna pray. And so I wrote this phrase down underneath because I have to ask myself this sometimes. When it comes to prayer, here's what tells if our prayer is gonna work or not. Do I really believe this God stuff or not? It sounds crazy to say, but if I believe that God exists, then prayer is the most powerful thing that I can do. If I don't believe that God exists, I'm gonna stop waking up early on Sunday morning. Y'all don't wake up early on Sunday morning anyways. This is 1115 crew, y'all smart. But I'm gonna go ahead and go to brunch. I'm gonna stop tithing. Why am I doing all this stuff if I really don't believe that he's real? But if I believe that he's real, why would I not wanna touch heaven on a regular basis? And, and, and look, I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to me because that's not real enough in my life sometimes. I thought, how do we pray in the next few minutes? Let's pray like God hears us. Let's pray like the God of heaven and earth and the God of creation and the God that overthrew empires at his whim, the most powerful men in the world. Let's pray like he really hears us. Let's pray like he'll answer. And I think here is the real kicker. And this is what I have to remind myself more in my life. Let's pray like it's our only option. Have you ever been out of options and wasn't your prayer life different? When the doctor called and talked about cancer, all of a sudden prayer became real. When we didn't have enough money to pay the bills, all of a sudden prayer became real. The problem with my prayer life is I feel like I can handle most of my life without God involved. That's the truth. What I've got to find a way is to bring that desperation that I feel sometimes over into my everyday prayer life, to bring that desperation into the next few minutes and really believe that God can do something. And I'm going to tell on myself right now, because Wednesday night we prayed for this whole situation and I was kind of directing the service. So I came up here after worship and we prayed for needs and then said, you know, we're going to pray for uh, what's going on in our community. And I'm going to invite Pastor Terry Franks because he's our Dream Center pastor and he has, has a heart for that area where, where, that, where the shooting happened. And so I'm going to call him up and, and he's going to pray. And then I kind of walked over here while Pastor Terry was praying and Tab was standing here. I tried to hide behind her, but I'm a lot bigger than she is. And so I'm, I'm just kind of kind of standing there praying. And I was just praying my everyday routine, what's next in the service prayer. You know what I'm talking about? I know you guys never get into that, but sometimes I do. And all of a sudden it hit me, the pastor, it should have hit me before. What if God really did this? What if God really changed our city? What if God really taught people to respect each other and to respect life? What if revival broke out at the churches all over the city? What if thousands of people got saved? 
What if instead of bad news, all, all the news stations had to show in Baton Rouge was people loving each other and turning around and saying, I'm sorry and creating a better environment? Either God's real or he's not. And if he's not, let's all go home. But if he is, come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now? If he is, let's pray like we can touch heaven. Let's pray like he can do something. Let's ask God to give us faith because it's hard when you surround yourself, which you can't help it. We can't avoid the bad news. It's everywhere. And we think, God, there's nothing that I can do. And the truth is there is nothing that I can do. What we're talking about is physically impossible, but all things are possible to those who believe. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.